All right, welcome back or welcome to the Next Level Podcast. I'm your host, John Harris, brought to you as always by Apex Performance. And I'm super excited today to have two guests with us. The first time we've had double the star power on, we have uh, uh, Carlos Francisco and Scott Walker on. And I'm going to let them introduce themselves and tell them a little bit, tell you a little bit about them and what they do and what they're passionate about um, before we jump into our content here today. So Scott, I'm going to start with you. All right. I'm Scott Walker. I am uh, one of the co-owners of Corporate Security University with Carlos, my good buddy. And uh, I spent, uh, my backstory is I spent 20 years in military and federal law enforcement before I went into the private sector and uh, mainly focusing on corporate investigations. Carlos, go. Let's go. Hey, John, uh, thanks thanks a lot, man. Next Level Podcast, I appreciate it. Apex, thanks for supporting this kind of stuff. Um, well, I do this because I love the industry. I grew up in the industry since I was a kid and I'm very passionate about it. That's why I work with my great friend, Scott Walker in corporate security university uh today i work for uh probably the largest what well, is the largest uh social media company in the world as a as a, as a regional leader uh overseeing some sites in north america and uh but in my past life i spent 21 years at the walt disney company and then from there i came and continued in the entertainment sports entertainment world and somehow i landed in tech so got to work for aws but now i'm here today uh, with you, John, which is more important than anything else in the world, buddy. Good to see you. Fantastic. Great to see you guys. Great to have you on, as I mentioned. So what what we want to talk about today, what we're going to focus in on is the topic of leadership and leadership development in the security industry. I think it's something that the three of us are very passionate about. Um, and I've noted through, uh, similar to you gentlemen, I grew up in the industry you know, I started as a security officer when I was, you know, fresh out of college, um, and uh, and and went that whole path. You know, somehow I found myself working for a tech startup in uh, in product development uh, now and and uh, partnerships. So you know, we can talk about a little bit about how careers can take windy turns. But what I want to jump into now is, you know, how do we? So I have this hypothesis that like we're we're missing the boat in the industry on true leadership development and and that there's a lot of opportunity to fill that gap and 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 that historically it's been we have leaders influential leaders so you have some companies that have great leadership development but it's because they have great leaders in, in that versus us having mechanisms and programs and capabilities to make leadership a great competency across the industry. So Carlos, I'm gonna start with you. Um, what do you think is the greatest opportunity or challenge that that we have in leadership development uh, in the industry? Um, and why don't we start there? Yeah, I, thanks John. I think, I think look, the, the toughest challenge that we have today is moving on from like this 1950s kind of idea of what security should have been. You know, ASIS did a tremendous job in 1955 coming together and starting to set up an idea of what security needed, the training that security needed, the certifications that they needed, right? The problem is that the industry as a whole took that, stayed with that, and have not moved on from that. And that's that's the problem today. And for me, 
people need to make those changes. Uh, you know, Scott has a lot of data on this, but the future for security is going to be a lot of young folks coming in. A lot of folks that are right now facing the computer or facing their phones and staring down at it that may not even know how to deal with normal human beings and people, right? Uh, so leadership got stuck for me very in 1955, and uh, we need to get out of it. We're trying our best. Uh, I know Scott and I are trying our best on Corporate Security University to make those changes and bring it to like this this lightened world, the, the lightened world that I that I learned with the Walt Disney Company, right? How to deal with people, how to deal with guests, how to be a leader in an industry where it's extremely people heavy, and you must at all times have this kind of decorum on how you operate. Um, there's going to be a lot of changes going on. So people, we need to change, get out of the 1955 ways of doing thing, uh, things, how to train, how to lead and everything else. Companies also get out of that mentality and let's expand our training to something that I think today is more important than anything in our industry, which is a, a customer centric approach, a very white glove approach to security. Not so much as 1955 past kind of world war ii militaristic era i don't know scott what do you think buddy yeah I, i'll just pivot on what you're saying that that uh, approach was a top-down approach and it, it really the management style sprung out of um all these veterans coming out of world war ii right so they had learned that you know there wasn't a bottom-up approach for sure it was a top-down from the officers to the enlisted and so they just carried that into business and, and then business became very top-down well, it's pivoted over the last several years where we now have these wonderful Zoomers and millennials who actually have an idea and they want to be heard. They are going to go to places where they will be heard. They will not spend any time in any places they won't be heard. So we need management to realize that, understand it, and embrace it, as well as technology, like what Carlos is saying. But to be more specific, I think they need to uh, really embrace AI and automation. Um, machine learning and all these things that, that kind of are keywords and everybody thinks AI is going to take us all over um, and it'll be like Terminator. But, uh, you know, uh, the, the um, uh, even in the educational world, uh, the use of chat GTP, people thumb their nose at it or your teachers will say you'll be expelled if you use it. Um, I'm not saying you should cut and paste right from chat GTP and believe everything it says, but it's certainly a, a tool that we should be using to help us understand and manage people because the biggest thing, and Carlos alluded to this too, but the biggest thing that's coming that nobody apparently in the corporate security world is really trying to understand is the demographic bomb that's going off, mm. right? We're losing the baby boomer generation by 2030. Um, the last of the youngest baby boomer will turn 65. That is an incredible amount of transition of knowledge that is gone from the industry never to return. So what do we do? Because we're Gen X. So we're right in the middle. We're the, one of the smallest generations. The millennials are a bigger generation, big generations. Baby boomers have big generations, millennials. But their millennials are not a big enough generation to take this all over. So we are going to have, and we are probably already do have, millennial CSOs. We are going to have Gen Z CSOs who are going to have four, five, six, seven years in the industry. And then they're going to get the top job. Whereas previously, the boomers had the top job and it took them 20, 30 years to get there. Right. No yeah. longer do we have that ramp up time of, oh, you take 20 years to get there. No, we need to figure out how to teach the millennials now, today, how to make those decisions. They can't just go and rely on all this, this um, experience. It's gone. Scott, there's a lot yeah. of amazing points. I want to I want to pull some threads on there. Um, 
So one, the use of um, automation, AI and tools, technology tools to be uh, an expediter for yeah. education, learning and development. So I think it, it's interesting because uh, as a tech, so working at a technology company who uses it as part of our product, I feel every day the um, the tension between uh, the knowledge of understanding the value it brings, the and the fear of I don't understand it, so I don't want to do it. It reminds me ten years ago of cloud computing, right? It was like, boy, you know, it's my my info is going to be sitting up there somewhere, and, and somebody not, else's not computer, really exactly, right? <laughs> like, you know, instead of being under your desk, it's going to be in someone else's closet. Like that's the only difference. So the, um, but now taking that same concept and saying, and and I love the way you stated it of of, um, you know, in the past, the a CSO would have twenty plus like twenty plus years of experience. Yeah. We don't have that luxury today. We need people ready. And it's funny because when you like you think about and, and it's across and this isn't a security alone no. problem. This is an industry problem. The I've heard of it referred to as the gray, the gray wave. Yeah, silver um, wave. Yeah. Silver wave. Yeah. So uh, you know, it's so that group, and and you know, I'm 41, so I'm just on that problem. Like depending on where you read, I'm 82. Uh, I'm either Gen X, millennial, or something <laughs> in the middle, right? So I, I claim you as Gen X. You're good. <laughs> yeah. You're, um, yeah, you're in. You're in. <laughs> okay, I'm in the cool kids club. So so that's the that's like, I look at it and I go, you know, when I started, I thought, all right, 20 years to, to executive, right? And now I'm looking across and saying, there's people younger than me who are executives and yeah. they've used the tool set, the expediters in order to get ahead. And, and I think we need to do the same thing. So let's, let's go deeper into that. So how, how do you, how do you recommend or propose either companies looking at these tools um, to help bridge the gap for development of their people or and or individuals embracing them to see how they can they can uh, you know power curve their development growth well the the good thing is that we're not reinventing the wheel here this this kind of thing was done by by the old greats, uh, Thomas Edison's and and the Mary Curies of the world, they utilize technology to help them achieve, right? So the Industrial Revolution changed the world, right? And we've sped up the, and we've compressed time. That is the biggest um, advantage to anybody who's trying to learn, compress time. If you can use technology to compress the time that takes to learn something, you need to do that. And, and again, I go back to the, there just won't be as many people in the future doing the jobs. I mean, you know, I hope that we can keep our baby boomers in the industry because we're going to need them. We need that, that um, historical knowledge. But if we can use the, the biggest advantage is using that technology to compress time to learn and to adapt to the changing environment. Because one thing's for sure, what we are doing today will not but will be how we're doing it tomorrow. Right. I mean, if Elon Musk gets his way um, with his SpaceX rockets, that's not going to take us to Mars before it will take us to China in an hour. So you think about going from Los Angeles to China in an, in an hour on a SpaceX rocket. That's the kind of level and speed of change that is going to occur over the next five years. And if we're not ready for it as leaders, if we can't go, 
today I know uh, I know Bard AI, uh, but tomorrow I need to know whatever the latest AI is, or I need to understand cybersecurity. I need to understand technology applications in in a digital world. Um, you know, the, the the people who still carry money and are, are I will always pay for things with dollars. You know, cash. Um, you know, you know, I, I haven't carried money in their cash in a long, long time, right? Since COVID. So what is the next thing that's going to be happening? I do believe that the advantage is if you aren't forward leaning, then you we won't be advancing in the ways that you 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 think and we think people should yeah. be. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll tell you, John. Yeah, man, I'll tell you. This, so there's a lot of things you're talking about leadership and here and and what the future would be like. You know, we have we need more early adopters in the security industry coming forth. Yeah, we still, like I said, we're stuck a little bit in the history. But here are some of the things that the industry needs to understand that we need to innovate on that we have not when it comes to training and education of leadership. And some of them, John, for me, is like um, very industry targeted education. If we can do that. Right. Where we're focusing on our industry as a whole. Look, I love, you know, I, I have prior law enforcement background. I know Scotty has prior military background. We love them. We spend a lot of time helping them transition. Heck, you know, I wrote a book. So you want to get into corporate security that helps folks transition into the corporate world. But here's some of the things that I think leadership in the future must look at. The industry targeted education. If you're not having those kinds of things, then we'll have a problem. Understand adaptability and crisis management, but in a corporate sense. Not so much, um, you know, I got bullets coming down, downrange at me and man, what am I going to do about it and, 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 you know, attack that situation or I have a hostage situation at the moment. I'm talking about, you know, um, things like the, the emergency management continuum of a corporation, right? Resiliency and business continuity, like really learning those things and being, being mindful. Um, another thing that I think our industry is missing out often, often, often is how to educate folks on kind of collaborative leadership. How do you, because everything that we do in a corporate sense has to do a collaboration. You know, we're, we're never the owners of any business, and everything that we do, we must gain people's trust. What is it? Trust like in uh, Scott? Trust know, like, like and trust. <laughs> no, like people have to know, like and trust us, right? In order for them to believe in what we're doing, and uh, and then kind of go along with the plans that we have uh, that we have forth, right? Is being able to um, to do those things. Also, strategic thinking. I, and one of the things that I've learned in leadership and security from a lot of the leaders that I've had is that a lot of their thinking is like, okay, what's going to happen to me when I make a right here at this light? It's really right dead in front of you. See, in the corporate world, I'm thinking three, five, 10 years down the road. So that's strategic thinking for leadership. I think I think it's huge and we're missing out on uh, in order to be uh, flexible. And here is the key, innovative, innovative uh, man, we're stuck with like old dogs, man. We, we're stuck in some old stuff. So if we can get, you know, more early adopters into the game. And then, and last, I'm going to say that we're missing out on uh, actually two last things. I'm sorry, I'm not rambling on here, but two last things, which for me is that knowledge of the industry dynamics. We do not educate our security leaders on the dynamics of corporations. Yes. You know, a lot of them don't know what, what a, why is there a C-suite? What, what does that have to do with stock trading? 
what is how important your decisions are are to to where you can land in jail in federal court if you don't make you know and we're seeing that leaders today in security companies are getting in trouble but because they don't understand that they are again i love them but a lot of us come from law enforcement and military like scott and i did but we we didn't didn't get that uh education because we were able to kind of uh, there was a hierarchy, right? And there was decision-making and we had the law behind us or some kind of international treaty behind us. So that was very simple to operate in. Uh, so we need education like that. And then um, one of the last things that I always say is that leadership training must be focused on, to me, two things. Humble, being a humble leader. Humble is like the, one of the biggest keys that, that I have that I, I think are extremely important to what we do. And uh, the second one is to be self-awareness. Because if you're self-awareness, then you understand empathy and you understand how to be vulnerable. Because vulnerability is something that we're not good at in mm-hmm. our industry. Be vulnerable, right? Um, so those are things that I know Scott and I often work on at Corporate Security University to bring out that I think the industry is missing every single day. Um, yeah, I'll stop there, but we, we keep on going on this. This is, this is lovely. <laughs> yeah. I mean that, I think, you know, you, you hit into something, Carlos, that's very, um, you know, important is, and, and one thing that when I was, when I was a security director at a, a large aerospace company, and so I, I, I kind of infiltrated the executive office through a different compliance avenue. So I was asked to take over trade compliance as part of my overall duties. And yep. we were under a consent agreement with the State Department at the time. And, and so they're like, hey, whoever's in charge of trade compliance has to report to the president. So I was like, hey, look mm. at me. Now I get to report to the president. Right. Some security reported to the president. Right? So it's kind of by accident. But um the aha moment for me was sitting in that boardroom, listening to the business talk about the business and being super curious about how my role fit in or, or the security and compliance group fit in. And, 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 and I talk about, I, I, I did a podcast with Erwin um, Vanderweer earlier, uh, earlier this week. And, talked a little bit about that. You know, he's someone who's driving that path and, and kind of gets it um, in, in the context of what we're talking about of like the, you know, a, a leader who's understanding the business. Mm-hmm. I reframed the mission of the security team from an enforcement-based mission to a service-based mission. Yes. And that was uncomfortable for a lot of our security officers because they're like, no, 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 we keep the bad guys out. I'm like, no, no, no. We make sure the right people get in. Yeah. Right. And that's a that's a reframe and a shift that um, that, you know, made people uncomfortable. Some people didn't buy into it and they left. Yeah. But it also allowed me to get a lot of goodwill with stakeholders whose budgets I was dependent on to do the things I wanted to do and to be innovative and to and to uh, invest in new technologies. So, uh let's talk about that a little bit about like yeah. just the way we talk about security and talk about it with our stakeholders um you know what are your thoughts on on how leaders need to be communicating about what they do and how they do it well i just i just i'm going to come back to something that you said you know i actually do a big presentation on data center security a lot of my portfolio that, that i oversee or everything that i oversee pretty much is data centers which is heavily based on compliance and, and certifications so I always, you know, kind of try to educate the team and say, look, 
Yes, bombs and bad guys. Great. All right, no problem. But let me tell you something. We don't operate if we don't pass compliance audits. We don't operate if we don't pass certification kind of audits, right? That is more important than 007 coming down from the sky. 007 now all of a sudden is a bad guy. Let's call it, you know, uh, coming down from the sky in a black kind of airplane dropping down on our, you know, our, on our rooftop, coming down to louvers into data to steal one of our data, you know, one of our drives or, or, you know, one of those ocean 11 kind of movie types. I always say that that's look, come on, that's not it for us. It's, how we approach our partners. So here's uh, to answer your question, John, real quick. How often do we sit around and listen like you did to the partners and really focus on their business and what aches them, what hurts me? Because even if it's not security-based and you can find a way to operationally make them faster, smoother, you know, make their business uh, more efficient, right? And you're helping them out. You're giving them value now. You're not just a blood-sucking security department that gives them nothing, right? Now you're helping them as they're saying, yeah, man, we're trying to get this from point A to point B. And all of a sudden, you know a faster way to get there, and they haven't talked about it. You're the person that should be raising your hands. Hey, I got an idea, guys. How about, how about we partner, and we'll get you right into this way, right? So that's what it is, exactly what you said, John, is listening to the partners, leadership of the future, more and more and more of that collaborative partnership that I talked about, you're gonna have to listen to your partners first. Yeah, and, and I always I often hear um the excuse, well, I don't have a seat at the table, right? And again, I I like full disclosure, I found my way into the room by accident. But before that, you know, I, I would go talk to um the the most knowledgeable person who was never the leader of the organization because in a big fortune 50 organization those executives are on 6 to 18 month cycles they never stay in the same job for very long so they don't really know anything except for how to be a leader and operate at a 10,000 foot level so you go talk to the person in shipping who's been there for 15 years and say hey how do things really work and how can i make it better right and then you can bring those ideas up to that executive when you when you need to um I want to switch gears here a little bit and and start talking. So we've talked about what the issues are. We've talked about kind of what changes need to be made and and how we can go about them. Let's talk about the what, the resources, the the things that the tools that we would want to use. And Scott, I'll start with you. Uh, you know, someone's listening to this. They buy in. They say, "Yep, I want to be this this leader of the future that that John and Carlos and Scott are talking about." Where do they start? What do they do? And to your point earlier, I think a lot of people are are thinking, yeah, I'll get there, you know, in five or 10 years, I'll be a leader. Uh, no, you're probably going to be selected because you'll be the last person standing. <laughs> but, you know, the the, uh, the the tools of the future, we've kind of hinted on the AIs and, the, and, and machine learning, those kinds of things. But let's just talk about, let's talk about some more physical things, you know, because Will and, and Carlos has got a, a part of our presentation on kind of the future of corporate security is is really fun because we talk about uh, cockroaches with with uh, cameras on them and stuff like that. But uh, by the way, that's a real thing. But the uh, some of the, the physical security elements, we really need to get much more um, savvy on because how many people and when I landed in Silicon Valley, I tried to apply the government approach to to security, which was gates, guards and guns. And that doesn't fly. We all know that. Right. And and how are you going to create it's it's really about creating an atmosphere right how do we create an atmosphere where people feel safe and that's it you know end of story 
um, the executives don't want to hear anything more about you wanting to put more fences around something or add more cameras because that's expense. So what we need to figure out is how do we continue to create an environment where people feel, and I'll use a, a term that's used in EP, uh, executive protection, how do we keep people safe, happy, and productive in these organizations, right? And it doesn't matter if we're talking about a retail establishment or we're talking about a corporate campus or a school, it doesn't matter. It's all going to be, um, how do we do more with less? Because like we've already talked about, we will have less people to do it with. Um, and then how do we we create this environment where they don't feel like they're in prison, yet they feel safe? And I always go to back to, and Carlos and I have talked about this a lot, you go to Disney World, you feel safe. Mm -hmm. But it's not because there's people with machine guns in the towers and there's canines roving the parking lot. Those things may be happening. You, you have a great relationship, or Disney has a great relationship with their law enforcement partners. They do use canines, but you don't see them. And and you don't feel like, you know, when you go to an airport, you feel like you've been searched and every cavity has been checked and you feel like you finally got to the inside and you're safe, right? You don't necessarily have that at a place like Disneyland. Well, how did they create it? It wasn't cheap, but they it was part, it was part of their DNA, hmm. right? So if you as a leader aren't making security and safety part of your DNA, we're doing it wrong. And I think way too many, we, and we all love going to GSX. We love our vendors because we cannot do any of this stuff without our vendor partners. But when we go to GSX, there's a lot of flashy lights. There's a lot of military uniformy stuff going on and, and there's gates and there's cameras. But what we need to do is look past that and say, how can I make that blend in with the background? How can I make security part of our DNA in our organization? We need to be focusing on that. We need to, everything has to be grassroots from now on. Because again, we've lost a whole generation of people. Their ideas are gone. So now what do we do, right? We get, we get to recreate is what the reality is. Um, so the good and the bad are, if you're not, if you're if you're a maintainer type leader, um, I don't know what to tell you, but you better get comfortable with change. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you're, if you're holding on to the norms of yesterday and today, you're gonna have a really hard time tomorrow no. uh because you're you're seeing um you know just and and in adjacent marketplaces too like you look at retail retail is is suffering because they're trying to apply traditional um defensive and enforcement security apparatus against a problem versus figuring out how to do what you just talked about scott which is make people feel safe and comfortable and secure without oppressing right when i when I, we were in gsx we were just in 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 austin and you you'd go to places after 8 p.m and there'd be a law enforcement officer off duty sitting outside there or a security person you know looking like they're in SWAT gear yeah. um i didn't want to go in there it did not make <laughs> me feel safe right it made I, me that's... feel like why would you put that person uh, there unless bad shit's gonna happen right so like John. I do it on purpose now, John. As a matter of fact, if I see that in a place that I go to, I literally go up to either the officer or I ask him for his boss before I go in. I do it on purpose. And I go, hey, is there something going on here? Should I be afraid? What's wrong? Yeah. I, I do it on purpose. And I think because I get annoyed, like Scott said, you know, 21 years at the Walt Disney Company, uh, we still have never had to do that. I don't think we ever will. Um, so, but I, just uh, two things too, John, that I want to say. 
um, on, on the leadership side in the future, uh, we go into the, the what piece that you talked about, which is, uh, for me, is the technologies that we use, you know, we're still a little afraid of going online for training. One of the things that you'll see, you'll, you'll find a 40-hour guard card training that's in there. Uh, but we're still afraid to go in on online for everything else. And I think the industry has to change it as a whole. Um, the second thing is that we also uh, tend to, to, to hire as leaders, our buddies, which is perfectly yeah. fine to do those kinds of things. The problem with the, our buddies is that a lot of them, um, you know, they don't have the knowledge that we have because we've been in the business now for a little bit longer. So now I got to, you know, try to figure things out, but not every time it works. So for me as leaders, we must make a decision to always hire the most knowledgeable person that I have available for the most amount of money that is most educated to fulfill a position because that will change the industry. And then you have to go into their hearts and you have to know that their hearts are good, uh, good intended. They wanna do the right things for the industry. And most importantly, they're gonna be that innovative, that person that's open-minded, you know? And that's how we change things from within. You know, a lot of times when I'm, when I'm, somebody's coming to me, hey, you know somebody for this position, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for somebody that one, that's good hearted, that cares about others first, you know? That when I'm talking to them, they come across as if they want to help, right? They're not just for me, 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 me kind of thing. And and that's how I change it in that kind of sense. Um, I, I'll, yeah, I'll stop there. No, it, it, those are great points though. Cause I think, you know, when we look at what, how we want to surround us, cause part of leadership I think is, is, is putting together an effective team. And you talked about a humble earlier and, and I'll take that a, a bit further and say the, you know, the absence of negative ego and, and we often either put stuff or pe people who look and talk just like us around us because it's what we know. And so, and so we're saying, I need some, I need a mini me to be able to execute on this job, especially if you get moved up and you're replacing yourself. You're yeah. like, I need someone just like me to do the thing I just did versus saying, yeah. let me, I have an opportunity here to, to bring in someone who doesn't think like me. Where are my gaps? Where are my weak spots? Where am I blind? They bring somebody in who can help help augment that. Um, and then looking at at the the framework of leadership without the 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 inclusion of empathy and and love and and these things that I think luckily for us collectively over the last four years, um, leaders like like us and the Lee Ottens of the world and the Tim Wenzels and 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 uh, and and that whole kind of group that has come together is saying, um, hey, we can do this in security too, right? You you you, you know we we we've, we've for too long said, not created here, not accepted here, uh, yeah. and we we're yep. starting to see the embrace of external um, frameworks and say, hey, that's a great idea. It's working in engineering. It's working in human resources. It's working in operations. We should bring it in here and think about it too. And I think to your point, Carlos, that's also education, right? I, I have a, a, a book, um, a stack of books over here. And I think one of them is a security book. And, and uh, I still reference it, right? I have all my materials from when yeah. I got my CPP certification yeah. years ago. I still look at them to solve security problems, but I don't look at them to solve leadership problems because that was barely a part of that certification and rightfully so, right? So when you look at yeah. where where we've historically looked to for answers, um, 
we're, 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 we don't have the resources to solve these kind of challenges and problems. Um, and so as we kind of yeah. round things out and go to a close, I want to talk a little bit more. You, you talked about online resources. Oh God, John, just one thing, because yeah. you mentioned the kindness games, you mentioned yeah. the kindness games. You don't know how long I've been waiting for a group like that to come together because those kinds of people are going to change the industry. Mm -hmm. Right. So Tim Lee, great job on putting a group together that that really are changing the industry. And one of the things about me personally, John, is that a lot of the, a lot of people I tell them, look, I'm Mickey Mouse, man. I'm not your militaristic police officer kind of thing. But I knew, John, I knew that if I stuck with my guns and I didn't change who I was personally, that it it was gonna come around. It was gonna come around where people realize that you can still do guns and bad guy stuff but have a lighter sense to security, lighter sense to leadership, how to do it, when to do it. And I'm, I'm very thankful that, that I've worked, you know, for the, the Walt Disney Company for 21 years, because that's a lot of my education. But I knew, I knew that it was going to come around. I think this is the time. Yeah, I I mean, nailed it, man. I think the being like your authentic self and not being afraid of that. Um, and maybe we'll, we'll touch on this point before we move on is for 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 young leaders or emerging leaders in the industry, I think there's often, and I'd love both your guys input on this and maybe about yourself. Um, the, the prototype that you, you go, okay, I need to wear this. I need, I need to emulate this vision of a security leader. For me, it was white shirt, button up blue suit, you know, I'm squared away. I act a certain way. I do this. And so, and it, and it, it was this character that I played for maybe the first five or seven years of, of my professional career, because I thought that's what I had to be. Um, yeah. and, and, and it took a while before I found comfort in my own identity, uh, as a person, as a leader. So, so maybe before we move on, Scott, talk a little bit about that, about like, when you see, you work with a lot of different people yourself, like, like finding your leadership, identity um and and your thoughts on that topic fake it till you make it is still an accepted approach you know and, and look if even congress can go to hoodies and and shorts uh as an official attire you know I, i'm sure corporate america can see its way to allowing people to be their authentic self but the reality is um you're not going to retain people who who um want to emulate those those things of that that are that are important to them, you know. I, I have um, two millennials that uh, in my house that like to tell me uh, all the time how I should be leading the household, right? And um, they want to wear what they want to wear, and and uh, if it's if it's five uh, eleven pants and and a t shirt to go to a job interview, then that's what he's going to wear, and I can't say anything, right? Um, but honestly, we have uh, this whole new generation of people coming up, and they they have their own ideas on on what is acceptance, what's tolerant, uh, DEI being you know diversity, equity, inclusion being uh, kind of these these words that are on the tip of everyone's tongue. So if we don't start embracing those things, we will start losing those people because if you don't make it part of your culture, and I and I mean two types of cultures. One is corporate culture, and then one is your team's culture, right? Mm -hmm. Those can be the same, but they also can be very different. And th that's okay. 
Um, because what we can't do is we can't lose people out of the industry because they're not accepted or they they act differently. We have to, and this is what's great about the kindness games is because it it elevates that. It elevates, and it is so important that we keep everybody in this industry. And I mean it. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to. I'm not talking down about any generation. And every generation has its faults, and every generation has its strengths. But we, uh, the community that we're in, or the the economy that we're in, we need all hands on deck. I've described, described it as a crisis in the past, and I really do mean that. We are in a crisis times, and not because of COVID and all these things. This stuff was going to happen in, 20, in the 2020s. We just were blind to it. We weren't listening to the experts talk about it. So if, if it, whether it's, you know, a, a, um, a type of uh, clothing that you wear or, or the way you approach problem solving, uh, I think we need authenticity. We need people to embrace whatever it is that that if you can create it, an economy where people can be their authentic self, we will all be better for it. And that yeah. means inclusivity to uh, all generations. Yeah. And I'll tell you, John, uh, if nobody's picked it up yet, there's an awesome book out there. It's uh, Leading Relentlessly. And it's by a gentleman by the name of Stan, uh, Stan Partlow, if you haven't had a chance to see him around yet. And uh, and one of the things that he talks about is being deliberate, deliberate on how you lead and how you can mirror your, how you can match your personal goals with your, your professional goals and make those things happen. So if anybody, you know, Stan's a great guy too. So Stan Partlow, great move, uh, great book out there, Leading that relentlessly as you say i don't have any security books in, in my bookshelf uh, neither do i so yeah no fantastic so um in closing i want to give opportunity for to to recognize and acknowledge what you guys are working on so uh talk a little bit about the university talk about the resources that you have available where people can go the content that's there and uh and and what they can get out of it Carlos, if you want to yeah. go first. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the cool things about CorporateSecurityUniversity.com is that we designed uh, a way to move forward in the security industry. And that is creating nothing but courses that you wouldn't see out there in the world, like leadership in corporate security, right? We have this trademark called Corporate Security Magic, which is taken on the uh, how you were going to approach security in the future through a customer-centric approach. So if anybody's looking for uh, education based on that for your officers, for your team, for any you know anything in that way, it's great. All of our courses are CPE now certified with uh, ASIS, which is really exciting for us. And uh, our goal with you know Corporate Security University really is to change the industry and make some things happen. And the coolest thing that I've seen so far, John, is folks coming to us and saying, hey, can you design me some specific courses on this and add that customer-centric twist to it, man, that future, that future, you know, uh, viewing uh, way to it. And I'm I'm really excited about that stuff. And obviously, uh, So You Want to Get Into Corporate Security is uh, my little book that I have out there to help folks transition. By the way, we have transition courses as well on Corporate Security University. That's actually how we started. And last but not least, my new book is coming out very soon. So you want to start a corporate security program. Now that I got everything into everybody into corporate security how do you design an entire <laughs> program from day one all the way till it's running nice and smooth ryan scotty what do you got buddy well i'll just talk about the kind of origin story of what our sense of urgency was around having csu yeah. or creating csu was we noticed that hey cpp is great app is great but how do we bring these folks from uniform security officers to security leaders 
And there wasn't a real good, to, Carlos mentioned bridging, and that's what he's talking about. It wasn't really a good bridging, but I won't just stop at, at security officers becomes, becoming security leaders, future security le leaders like your story, John. But I'll talk about our, our law enforcement military partners, too, who want to who think I was a chief of police. I can just become the head of security for Google. And while that might feel like it translates, it doesn't. But we also wanted to give them a path because what we do know is that we've been at war for 20 years and all those people are getting retirement eligible. Uh, on the law enforcement side, we hired a ton of law enforcement officers after September 11th and during the drug war in the 80s and 90s. And now they're retirement eligible. So we are getting flooded in the corporate security world because they don't know what else to do. And they think, well, you know, I, we get these comments and because Carlos and I still work and mentor with a lot of law enforcement officers and, and military members. We get the comment, well, how many gunslingers do you need on at, in corporate security? And we're like, none. How many door gunners do you need? How many snipers? How many SWAT door kickers do you need? None. I don't want any of that. What I do want is your soft skills. I don't need your hard skills, but I need your soft skills because you've been around the world and you've seen a crisis or five, right? That's what we're facing in corporate security. We're not, we not, aren't retaining the, the talent from the 80s and 90s that, that they went through a lot of crazy things. So now we have these veterans and, and, and military and law enforcement members coming in and they've lived through a crisis. They've been around the world and at war and seen crazy things in law enforcement. Well, that's what corporate security has to face. It also is a huge deficit with our law enforcement partners here in the States. I won't speak for any, any of our international partners, but we do know that we do not have and will not have enough law enforcement. So to your point about retail security, how do we do corporate security or retail security is part of that? How do we do that? Well, we can't rely on our prosecutors. We can't rely on our court system. We sure as heck can't rely on our, our jails. Because one thing's for sure is that those folks are not going to be there in the future. So we need to do corporate security now holistically and unto ourselves without any support from our government, unfortunately. That's just the reality, and we all need to embrace it. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the landscape has changed. Um, it, it, you know, we're, it, it was, a, it was like you guys have said, it's been a theme throughout. It's like, this was inevitable regardless of what happened between 2020 and 2022. Right. Those were expediting events, but Correct. all of these generational transition activities were already happening. Yes. And there's there's books and studies and research and it was all there. And and I you know, I I distinctly remember listening to a podcast on technology innovation on a run, and it was uh the the like a, a startup leader talking about creating AI because we're not going to have enough people to do the jobs we have today. So we're going to have to automate them and we're not displacing people. We are augmenting the lack of their presence in the future. Right. And so that's I think, right. you know, that's something that sweeps across all these different places. So, um, well, gentlemen, thank you so much for the conversation today. It's fantastic to get to know a little bit more about you, more about your, your backgrounds. Our passions are very much aligned. When I, decided to start uh, Apex Performance two years ago. It was specifically because I thought it took me 15 years to get from where I was to where I am. How can I help people do that in five years? And, and you know, just getting out content resources, things to people to help them, support them, uh, to move faster. You talked about compressing time earlier. So, you know, we're trying to compress time for for all those in the security industry uh, who want to get there a little bit faster. So 
appreciate you guys. Thank you very much uh, for our listeners. Uh, CorporateSecurityUniversity.com. Uh, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Also, if you're interested in learning more about Scott and Carlos, go to their LinkedIn pages uh, and uh, they can find more there. So appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Let's do great things. Sorry. You, Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot, John. Appreciate it. <laughs>